Hi everyone and welcome to Be True, my podcast about the writing I love and the writing I do. I promise I won't rhyme the whole time. I'm John Tessitore and today, downstairs, aisle five from my collection, The Americans. You can find The Americans and all of my work at johntessitore.com. Downstairs, aisle five is a simple poem. It's not even a deceptively simple one. It's really a simple one and a fun one, at least to me. It's a short love note to used bookstores everywhere. The wonderful, musty places that so often look alike and attract the same kinds of readers no matter what city you're in. You know who you are. Please buy my books. (laughs) The really grungy used bookstores are not as easy to find as they once were, but you can still find them if you try, and you should try. They're magical places, even if you can't stay long because you're allergic to cats and mold, (laughs) like I am. Downstairs, aisle five imagines an aspiring writer walking through the stacks of such an old store, dreaming of some, any, literary recognition. It plays a name game, so it makes much more sense if you imagine that the aspiring writer has a name like Tessitore. I once had the pleasure of meeting James Earl Jones, and that's how he said it. Tessitore, Tessitore. (laughs) Like I said, a simple poem. But there is a larger point buried in there as well if you try to find it. I hope you enjoy the poem as a poem, and then I hope you stick around for the other part, too. I think the kids call it an Easter egg. Under heavy clouds of black mold, sallow corone, a gray cat laying flat on a ledge like an emblem of indifference, of time's fruitless waiting. I roam the catacombs, a suppliant with a single prayer that my surname would slide into the narrow furrow between Maria Virginia Terhune and William Tevis, or maybe the smaller shelf near A.S.J. Tessimund and Nazim Tevik, as earnest locals in canvas caftans rummaged the remainders for oversized volumes, ancient icons, never stopping to skim the poems of Delio Tessa, who would not have taken offense since he wrote alone after work to wash off the day's inventions. A fun poem, right? Or at least a light one. And I've read it before on social media, so why a podcast now? Because I'm still fascinated by the names. So let me preface everything that follows by saying, first, all the authors mentioned in this poem were real people, and second, I've never read any of them. They were chosen entirely for their names, at least to start. All I was looking for were potential alphabetical bookends for Tessitore, a furrow for my own name on a bookshelf. In my search for literary names that begin with T-E, I just happened to stumble across some fascinating people. The first two are the kinds of writers you only find in the dusty corners of used bookstores, the books that have been sitting there, unpurchased, for decades, probably the ones that give the store its distinctive odor. Maria Virginia Terhune was born in Virginia in 1830, died in 1922, and published under the pen name Marion Harland. In her time, she was a popular writer of women's fiction and housekeeping manuals. Polite, wholesome, useful stuff. William Tevis was the author of a horse-riding manual called The Horse, published in 1922, and it seems to have been an early example of that genre. The second two, there on the smaller shelf, 
are relatively obscure poets, at least in America. A.S.J. Tessimond was an English poet born in 1902, died in 1962, a fast-living, romantic sort who suffered from mental illness and received more attention posthumously than he did in life. And Nazim Tevik was the pen name of a Turkish poet who was born in 1879 and died in 1953 and represented a kind of radical satire within the Muslim world. So far, so good. All four of these writers satisfied my alphabetical need to be the kinds of names my own name might fit in between, like books on a shelf. And all four evoked the kind of desperation one might feel as a struggling writer or as a struggling creative person of any kind. Shit, you mean Maria Virginia Tahoon found a publisher and I can't? Or, God, how I'd love to be A.S.J. Tessimond right now. Their obscurity in 2024 is part of the humor. An acknowledgement that sometimes we'll take anything, even our name on a forgotten book gathering dust on a shelf near a sleeping cat. But then things got interesting. Delio Tessa. Tessa. T-S-S-A. Tessa. Yes. Tessatori likes Tessa. This is good. Then I looked him up. Delio Tessa was born in Milan in 1886 and died in 1939. He was trained as a lawyer and became a conciliator judge, helping parties resolve their disputes outside of court. But apparently this work was not his passion, because Delio Tessa was a writer. He drafted some scripts and drama treatments, but mostly he wrote poems. Surrealist poems in the Milanese dialect. That is a significant choice in Italy, to write in one of the many dialects of standard Italian. It is a sign of resistance to mainstream culture, or an impulse to preserve and value things that are local, or a kind of determined stand one might expect from a decided anti-fascist in the years before World War II. It is also significant that Tessa published only one collection in his lifetime, a book with the enviable title, It's the Day of the Dead, Be Happy. God, I wish I had thought of that. Anything else we have from Tessa was published posthumously. And sadly, None of it seems to be translated into English. So if you're listening and you read or speak Milanese Italian, there's an opportunity for you. Call me. But Tessa sounded like my kind of guy. I imagine him sitting at his table after a day of mediation, writing down his surreal thoughts in the language of his homeland, then tucking the paper into his drawer and getting a few hours of sleep before waking to another dreaded day at the courts. I know that guy. I've been that guy. Sometimes, I still am that guy. And I revere guys like that, who have had day jobs and yet still created art that is remembered, who seem to beat the system even posthumously and shared their work with a broader public against all odds. Like the young Walt Whitman, the journalist, teacher, house builder, Civil War nurse who wrote America's most important poem. Or Constantine Cavafy, one of my all-time favorite poets who spent the majority of his adult life working in the public's works department in Alexandria, Egypt. Or Wallace Stevens, the insurance executive from Hartford, Connecticut, who defined his own poetic aesthetic and an aesthetic for subsequent generations while he walked to and from his office each day. Or Charles Ives, the hugely ambitious and innovative American composer who ran his own very successful insurance agency. Incidentally, one of the first poems I ever published, Interstate 84, is about Stevens and Ives, And I'd make a podcast about it if it weren't so damn long. But you get the point. 
These were artists trying to hold together two lives at the same time. The public life of a professional and the private life of a creative. They all lived on the edges of the artistic and literary communities of their day, and they all managed to change the way their art was done by others from then on. If you're suspicious of institutions or suspicious of priesthoods of any kind, literary or otherwise, these artists offer a very satisfying kind of hope. Back to the poem. It imagines that Delia Tessa would not have taken offense when the patrons of the store ignore his book, since he wasn't too interested in publication anyway. And it ends with Tessa writing, alone after work, to wash off the day's inventions. A line I still like for the inversion. For people like Tessa, work is the invention, the creation, while writing is the real thing. It's a good line, if I do say so myself. And its context gives the poem a different resolution, if you want it. Tessa, at his table, becomes a symbol of pure creativity, art for art's sake, as well as self-reliance. He also becomes my own alter ego, this man with half my name. Forget the furrow between Terhune and Tevis, he seems to say, to an aspiring writer named Tessatori. Forget the recognition which is fleeting, just do the work. Do it because it's important to do. That's how the best work gets done anyway. And so, in the hope that you are doing some good work simply because it's important to you, this is John Tessitore concluding another installment of Be True. If you've listened this long, thank you. You can find more about my work at johntessitore.com. But first, Cavafy or Stevens this week. Take your pick. Better yet, read both. Special thanks to me for today's theme music, which I call F Chord. Maybe we'll talk again. And if you enjoy this little podcast, leave some stars or a review and tell your friends. In the meantime, I got to feed the dog. All right, Luna, I'm coming.